Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and today we look back at one of Brett's all-time favorite games growing up, Tyrion 2000. So what's up, Brett? What's got you picking up your sticks in 1995? Woo! <laughs> this is this is such a long time coming. We've been talking about doing this episode since like literally our first episode, um, or at least I have because yeah. this is it is my all time. I, I think it just is my number one favorite game of all time. Okay. Um, it is uh, it's Tyrion 2000 or Tyrion. Tyrion was the initial release. It was re-released as Tyrion 2000, which was like the 3.0 version or whatever. Ah. Um. But but this goes all the way back to the days of shareware. Um. I don't know if you got into much shareware growing up. I know. So my experience with it is, I know that um, I think Doom was distributed that way mm-hmm. at some point in time, and I do remember getting a couple of like demo type games. Like I don't, I don't think they were full games. No, most of them, most shareware was not. Okay. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, you would just be like on a CD or something. Um, or a floppy. I think, yeah. Floppies is where they kind of start, or at least the hard floppies, like yeah. the little three and a half ones. Uh, yeah. I mean, I got Duke, nu- the original platformer Duke Nukem, which is where that started. Mm. Uh, I played a shareware. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Commander Keen was shareware, mm. uh, and a few others. And basically what they were is it was like a floppy disk and it would have a, d- a demo basically, or a couple of levels of the game. And if you liked it, most of the floppy disks had like mail $5 to a PO box and we'll send you the full version of the game. Hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Tyrion, the, f- the first time I played Tyrion was as shareware. Now Tyrion is a it's a top-down shooter. Uh, it was published by Epic Mega Games. Top-down shooter, just to clarify, what yeah, we're talking yeah. about is like a it's like Galaga. Like, there like, we go. Yeah, spaceship like, time. Or spaceship fireplay. with a scrolling background. You're a little ship on it, and it that you just shoot bullets straight ahead, and enemies come from the top of the screen, and there's bosses. Mm. Um, but Tyrion is so much more it really in my opinion it it kind of changed the genre um most of your top-down shooters like galaga uh, are kind of like a space invaders is kind of a top-down shooter uh there there were some others that were popular there's some super nintendo top-down shooters where you're like a helicopter and you know there's tanks and stuff yeah on the, the one i think of is probably like uh i think it's raiden think okay it's yeah raiden. yeah um, but yeah, there's, there was a few back, back in the day, but, but yeah, anyway, there wasn't usually much to them though. You just went into a level yes. and you shot through the level, you fought a boss, you left the level, you go to the next level. Uh, Tyrion has, and specifically, so let's kind of go. So I played it as shareware and then I honestly don't know how, I don't think I got the full version of the game maybe i did it was re-released like three different times um but each one was kind of a a patch to the last one but also released more levels and content and ships and stuff for you to play with so but Tyrion 2000 is kind of the definitive version um and that one i think was 1999 that that was released uh but it it, there's just so so the game has a full story 
uh, there's probably easily, like, just kind of trying to blaze through it, there's, like, 15, 20 hours of gameplay, and that's if you, like, skip side missions and stuff. There's a full system for upgrading. So, like, a lot of top-down shooters are more arcade where you're flying through a level and you shoot a bad guy or a chain of bad guys and they drop a power-up and you get that power-up and you get a different type of gun, like a spread gun or a laser gun or, or whatever. And in Tyrion, there is a little bit of that, and depending on what game mode you play, but in the, the normal story mode, it's pretty rare for you to get a gun drop in a level unless you do something that unlocks like a secret like killing every single enemy without taking damage to a certain point or whatever but it's so, really rare and, and you don't see it very often so not like um like and this isn't exactly the same kind of game because it's not ships and it's side scroller but um contra yeah i was really gonna say contra you. is yeah is you kill a bunch of enemies and a weapon power up appears and you get it and you get a different gun right right and there's not any there's not any persistence to that though either is there like if you have no you start the next level with just like right uh, you might have i mean like I, i'm trying to think what's the not Maybe galaga there's a there's a side scroller with the ship that was super popular that i also really enjoyed uh this is gonna this is gonna bother me uh, it's not galaxian and it's oh, not riding no it was it was a side scroller with a ship and you would get like there was like an up laser and a down laser yeah yeah oh man i can like i can see it and i could see the bosses where there was even a i saw like a a, <laughs> a live action remake where they were like trying to make a, a like a movie reel or a, a preview for the game Oh man, I have to look it up now. Gradius, I bet. Gradius, yeah, Gradius. Yes, yes. Okay, so it's like that, except it's top down instead. But right. that that also has the like collect power ups to upgrade your guns or get different guns. Mm -hmm. At Tyrion, there really isn't any of that because what Tyrion did is after every level, you had a full upgrade menu, so you could get different ships. So you had you you had armor shields. A front gun, a back gun, and two what they're called sidekicks. And sidekicks could be single-use, like, doomsday weapons. They could be the little mini-ships that shoot with you. They could be kind of your special abilities that you could get, like mega missiles or, you know, just normal rockets and stuff. They may have limited ammo. They may recharge slowly. They may be, like, charge cannons or whatever. But So anyway, there were, there were four weapon slots, a shield slot, and then your armor slot was dictated by your ship type. And you could, after every, during the level, you earn money for killing things and picking up gems and coins and stuff on the screen. And then after every level, uh, you could upgrade your guns or buy different guns. So, like, if you had, like, the Vulcan cannon or the Gatling gun or whatever, it would shoot, like, two to three really small bullets in a row constantly. But then after the level, you could upgrade it, and maybe it increases the fire rate or the number of bullets. And every gun could be upgraded 10 times, with some guns having a secret 11th upgrade if you did certain things or found certain things in missions or whatever. Then your, your rear gun is the same way, so it has 10 levels to upgrade through. And your rear gun usually had, like, it could shoot maybe side to your sides or behind you to get guys that are like, you know, circle around you or whatever, or some of them had alternating fire modes where you could hit enter mid game and it'll, sh instead of shooting to your sides, maybe it shoots up and out at an angle or straight ahead. So you could like focus fire or whatever. So there's actually kind of some like 
some tactics in in like a top-down shooter which there's not much to it other than memorizing where the guys come from there's a whole system for upgrading your items every level there's going to be different items available depending on uh, uh, uh several different factors there's different pathways through the game so if you go through a bonus level it may take you to a different level three than you would have if you just went straight through Right. Well, so let me let me kind of interject here um, and ask a question that, that less about exactly just mechanically how it, it functions. And not that that's not all important. No, no, I, I'm going to be all over the place with this because it, it's just <laughs> such a there's there's so much to this game for it being so simple. <laughs> so, sure. please. Well, so let's 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 take it back to. So when you get this game, you're roughly 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I'm like 11 when I play it in shareware and then. Tyrion 2000. I, I think I've played every release okay. in some form or another. Um, so, oh, go ahead. No, I was just, so I I mean, by like 1999, I mean, I'm, you know, getting ready to start high school, so. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, so about that age. So you're not, I guess my point was just like, you're not like six, right? Like no, you're not, no. you're not the age where like I was when I maybe first played NES games. Right. Right. Um, but you're also not, at least when you would discover it, you're not in high school. Now, right. By the third version or iteration of it, you are, but, um, so how, I mean, how often are you playing this? Like, what was your gaming schedule? Like when you played Tyrion, did you play, cause obviously you're kids, so you don't, you're not right. in control of, <laughs> of your time in the same way. So, I mean, are you playing on, on weekends are you playing every day are you playing once a month um, how does that what does that look like that's actually kind of hard to remember because yeah. so Tyrion filled i i really do equate Tyrion in the same way that i think most people equate super mario brothers like or, or super mario what is it world the one with yoshi oh the super one on the super nintendo one, yeah. yeah because it wasn't like because graphically kind of similar, had had pretty good graphics to it, actually. Uh, very colorful, very interesting, wide variety of enemies and levels. And um, it, it ended up being something where I think early on it was probably like my secondary game, mm. right? So like maybe something like a Wing Commander or a Stark or Starcraft or Warcraft Two or something was kind of my my go to, and but Tyrion could be played in five minutes. Well, so that's a really interesting point actually that you bring up there about that because I in my head because see you're an earlier PC gamer than I am, right? Um, and so in my head when I think of this time period, it's like wow, well this came out really before the N sixty four, but mm -hmm. But even if it, even if it, they're in, they came out in similar times, but whatever. But my my thought was like, three D gaming though is not super prevalent. But that's actually not true for you because you're playing probably Descent by this yep. point. Descent, Earth Siege, uh, Wing Commander, yeah. yeah. So like those were the bigger games for me, and kind of growing up is like that. Those were spend a couple hours if I could, you know, well, joystick and. That's why it's so. That's why I think it's so interesting to make that point because, of all the games though of that era, the one that stands out to you is the one that is like, the your favorite game of all time is this one, right? So yeah. So it just it 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 just shows like, <laughs> it's such an early version of how um, while graphical fidelity matters, and again, I'm not saying that this game isn't pretty. It is, um, but just simply that like 
the latest technology does not the best game make. Now, this is true. However, I will admit uh, uh, the first version of this game uh, still had problems on our PC Mm. because there actually is a lot going on graphically with this game. There's uh, which a lot of games did not mess with things like translucent layers. So the the scrolling background was not just one layer that scrolled underneath you. There was Mm. multiple. There's like seven or eight layers of parallax scrolling. And some of the clouds could be translucent. Enemies could come and fly under them, but you could still kind of see their shadows and stuff. And I do want to make it clear that this is not a bullet hell, which is kind of where modern top-down shooters have gone, where enemies spam out bullets at such a ridiculous rate of speed that you have to know certain patterns to like fit between them. It is not that at all. There are some bullet spammy enemies as you get later in the game or bosses, but for the most part, it's, you know, there's some bullets on the screen. There are some, you know, things that you have to dodge and move around and whatnot, but it is much closer to an arcade game. It's just kind of an interesting blend. It's so unique. There are very few games that have done similar things. Like enemies don't die to just one bullet unless your gun is that well upgraded. Mm. Um, so enemies can take multiple hits. Some enemies stay on the screen for a while or block a third of the screen. So you, if you don't defeat them, you either wreck into them or you have to you know, dodge around them, which there may be rocks or spikes or mines or whatever that is, sometimes you can destroy, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to have a certain gun to destroy. Um, so there's just... There's a lot of... There's a lot going on. So and it, yeah, I mean, it, it caused my computer to chug early on our earlier computer (laughs) it captures more of a feeling and i i don't know the words to use so this isn't probably going to be that that good so we'll have to (laughs) vet it out a bit but as opposed to something like galaga or or whatever a a more traditional bullet hell that is i would argue much more arcadey and i don't mean because they originate in arcade venues but but in that most of them are one shot to get a kill and like if you get hit one time you're dead and it's all very um, twitchy, if you will, in terms of the gameplay. Right. Whereas this is almost less arcadey, if that's what our definition of that means for this, and almost a little more of like a traditional action game, or I mean, almost like what you're getting in like a Wing Commander, where you yeah, are it like really Star Fox, where you're shooting ships down, not I would say that like it's fighting them. Very close to it, like a Star Fox in yeah. A lot of the outside of it being 2D versus 3D, right? But it does have a lot of similar things like the branching level system, uh, and a lot of secret levels and things to find, and even just kind of like a boss at the end of every level sort of thing, and a story that you're going through in and outside of every level. So there's actually like a full tilt story that that is both amusing and serious in different amounts it's very Mm -hmm. strange how the and it's weird how it's presented you don't you get the main story you kind of can't avoid but as you go through each level there's tons of destructible items and ways to get secrets that will appear in various ways and some of those secrets are data cubes and these data cubes when you got outside of a level you could look at them and they would be just chunks of written story and they could be anything from like jokes that there's a lot of uh, if you're you're familiar at all with like Douglas Adams and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, 
Um, there's a lot of that kind of humor, like very satirical humor. There's some some references to like Star Wars and and Star Trek and stuff like that. But there's also just a lot of weird things, like humor that you would see in like a Futurama, just like advertisements for Slurm or mm. whatever. And then there are also storyline chunks of there's a whole. It has it really is the story that has everything. There's evil corporations, there's cults, there's, you know, secret societies and backstabbing and trying to, you know, find friends and cyborgs and aliens and absolutely everything. It's it is a <laughs> the story goes all over the place. Well, I think that I mean it's interesting because you know, I've never played this game of course. Um, but I I although I do I do own it. I, oh my god! <laughs> Which, of course, you can. So, anybody listening, if at any point that any of this sounds like you might be interested, it's free now. It's freeware. Uh, in two thousand, sure why I own it? <laughs> yeah, in two thousand seven, it was distributed freely. You can get it on GOG, and it's there's an open version that was released that is equivalent to the Tyrion two thousand like special edition or whatever. But well, so but what's interesting and kind of what I'm picking up. I mean, as you're clearly explaining, but just, you know, so I really enjoy um, a couple of modern iterations of this genre, if you will. However, they are they are very different sounding from this. I mean, A, I will admit that I like a lot of these modern shmups like Geometry Wars is the one that I'll just cite openly. I like Geometry Wars, but I also just really love the like electronic music and the the, the flashy lights right right but it doesn't it doesn't and, it, and and not that there's not a depth of gameplay but there's a depth of gameplay to those kinds of games in the same way that there's depth of gameplay to super meat boy which is right. not to diminish it at all it's just simply no. that it is exclusively your mechanical skill and that's it. right whereas with this because you don't kill enemies in one shot like in a lot of these games and i, I don't mean to just keep monologuing here but in a lot of these games you have these um upgrades but the upgrades are really kind of like allow you to kill more enemies faster um, right which like also, a spread gun allows you to kill three guys with one shot each instead of one guy with one shot at a time but it doesn't actually really demonstrate a great power curve because it also throws proportionally more enemies at you so you right have to have it anyway so with but with this it's like because it's it it's again for lack of any better description more action brawlery or something almost than arcadey the fact that you know you mentioned at the, at the front there's 10 upgrades for your back gun there's 10 upgrades for your front gun there, like that all is significant though because it, it's not just it's not diablo how do you want your dps to look it's actually right. no it very much and, and does that make sense yeah so the different guns had different costs to them as well and that was like a base cost and cost for level of upgrade. So they're going to get, you know, exponentially more expensive. But there are also guns that are only available after you beat certain levels. Like once you unlock a gun, it doesn't mean that you get to keep it permanently. If you mm -hmm. sell, if I start with like one of the base guns is like the Vulcan cannon. You start the game with it. You get to level two and you sell the Vulcan cannon for the, the lightning gun. You can't pick up the Vulcan cannon just anywhere. Um... Now, they're, it's a common level gun, I guess. It, they're not really marked with rarities, um, but I would, I would, if they were color-coded with rarities, it would make perfect sense. Because mm -hmm. um, there is, some of the guns are just going to be better. 
Um, even than a fully upgraded Vulcan cannon, you you know maybe a fully upgraded lightning gun is just going to be better. <laughs> uh, but some levels you may be able to pick the Vulcan cannon back up. Other levels you won't. And sometimes after you beat like a secret level or something, you have difficult choices to make because in the story mode you can't necessarily go back and replay a previous mm -hmm. level. So you play through the level, and if you you can like restart the level. And I think you can keep, so you can farm a level a little bit, but you keep like, I'm trying to remember and I, I'm not, I'm not even, not even sure that you keep money, but if you do, it's like 10 or 20% of what you earn mm. in a level. And you don't always earn money for every enemy you kill. You earn score, but money is dropped kind of differently. Mm. Um, so you can't go back and go back to a level prior to buy a gun that's only there, uh, available there. And there's more than just guns. Oh yeah, there's there's also the generator. So you can upgrade your gun a lot, but every time it fires, you've got excuse me, you've got this like power generator on the side of your screen that's chunking down for each shot that you're making. Mm. Um, and you can upgrade your generator to generate more power so that maybe you're always generating more than you're using, or you can depower your gun a little bit or take off your rear weapon or whatever. But you also have like shields. And your shield will take a huge chunk of power. It, it regenerates like one bar every like five seconds or something. And so if you've gotten hit and your shield is regenerating, you may not be able to fire. So there are rare and legendary versions of your shields and your generators. So you may be at a special level or a secret level and get a choice between here's the laser cannon or uh, the Microsoul XFC high power generator. Like, do you, or, and a, a, you know, Teledex, you know, personal reflector shield. So it's like, but you can't afford all of those. So do you want the rare gun? Do you want to sell a rear weapon and technically be weaker just to get this special gun at level one and sell everything else that you have and hope that you can just fly through the next mission? Because there are, you, most missions have a boss, not all of them. There are some that you can just fly through without, like, you can beat mm. them without firing a shot. So, you know, just to get a little bit of progress, you may sell everything you have to get something. Or maybe I'm going to buy a weaker gun and sell the, the powerful gun that I have and take it down a few levels and buy this shield generator. Even though it's going to suck up all my power, it's a huge shield, so I can afford to get hit more or something. And like, so it, it you change the way you play and the choices that you have. Because again, you also have two sidekicks, and some are only available on the left, some are only available on the right. And there's, I mean, when you first start playing, you don't even know. Like, it shows most of the weapons and what they do on kind of a screen while you're shopping. And you can even check like what happens when you power them up more or whatever. Some of the weapons it doesn't show very accurately, like homing missiles and stuff. It'll just show them shooting straight when actually they, you know, home in on enemies or whatever. But it was some, again something that you don't see in games, even now sometimes, but definitely not then, was showing you a power up before you picked it. Um, so yeah, there's you know, just there was so much to pick from after every level that like, and those choices mattered because different enemies and patterns of enemies either like. Are you fighting single big guys semi-frequently, or are you fighting hordes of little guys? Because you want a faster gun for the hordes of little guys. So. Yeah, well, it, it's it's interesting because I mean, obviously there is some mechanical skill to it. It's not you're not playing Civilization, right? Right. Like, there is some moving and shooting and all of this. 
Um, but again, it, it, it also kind of sounds like it's, you know, a conversation that, that you and I have had many times, and, and I don't know that there's ever a consensus answer, but like what makes a video game good? Right. Um, and a thing that I constantly go to, and again, not that this is profound or unique to me, but the, the, the thought that, that attracts me the most to, to answer that question is, um, um, is it a, how many interesting choices are you making? Right. Um, and the more interesting the decisions you make, the more fun that game is. Um, and the, what does it mean to make a decision? Well, in a game like a Mario, we'll just use such an easy example. You know, when you see the first Goomba, you choose, do you jump over it or not? Do you jump on it? Do you wait for it to, you know, there are little choices to make, <clears throat> but especially as you've, after you've played the game a couple of times, a lot of the decisions I'm using air quotes now become less decisions and more just memorized reactions. That Habits. Have. Right. Whereas in this game, of, of course, there's going to be some elements of, of the mechanical play like that, but it's also presenting you with interesting decisions over and over again, uh -huh. um, which I think is why role-playing games are have had the life that they've had and the spread and bleed over into every other game genre that we've had is because they, they find a way to insert more decision trees, if you yeah. will, into an experience. And so maybe without, and I'm sure, you know, 12 year old, you didn't think of it that way, but, <laughs> but it's almost kind of like maybe an early example of seeing, and not that it's role-playing, but, seeing those kinds of more complicated decisions inserted into a genre that doesn't traditionally have them. Right. Oh, sense? no, that was, that was definitely. So like, I mean, my favorite quote unquote arcade game is, and always has been Galaga, but we did not get to play arcade games very much because that required you to have money <laughs> um, and go to a mall and go to a mall or, you know, at the rare instance, you'd find one in a grocery store or something. Usually it was a Pac-Man or a centipede, which centipede's probably my second, but... I do want to diverge on this point for just a moment. I know, surprise, surprise, but... Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, because when I was a kid, I always... And, and often thinking, and only right now did I just have this thought jump into my mind, but I, I always had the thought of, like... Yeah, I mean, I didn't go to the arcades that much, because of what you said. Like, not that I grew up dirt poor or something, but right, just... Right, right. It's, it's expensive or whatever. However, now looking back and thinking about that as someone in my 30s, which was roughly the age my parents were, at least when I was a little bitty kid, um, I would totally tell my kid that we couldn't afford it. But less than the $5 that they might want to spend in our game, <laughs> right. I'm not hanging out at the Aladdin's Castle <laughs> with a bunch of 10-year-olds running around for an hour while you, even if it's five bucks and I can swing it, like, no. Right, I'm nah, don't, don't need that. Right. Well, and it was also, I mean, like, we were, we grew up 20 minutes outside of town. Right. So then it was a drive into town just to get to the mall. And That's then, what I mean. Yeah, they don't want to do that. They don't want to no. hang out all day. And you can't um, just leave your kid alone and abandon. No, the no. So. Anyway, anyway, I'm sorry. For sure, to, for sure. I probably you're you're no you're a hundred more. <laughs> you're a hundred percent right. It's in my brain that it's money, but I'm not sitting here thinking about like the roll of quarters that lasts an hour. 
Like, <laughs> if you actually got a $10 roll of quarters as a Ooh. gift, the most I ever got was eight quarters, $2. Right. Yep. That's the most I got. Yep. <laughs> the first day I got a $5 bill. That's it. Like, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> no, no, that's a great point. I, I don't know why I never thought of that. <laughs> it only does. Like, yeah, right I mean, now. <laughs> yeah, we weren't, we weren't super poor. I mean, we weren't super rich either. But oh, there right. were, there were probably, it, it probably wasn't a terrible reason. Like we're not going to go to the arcade every day or something. Sure. Like, but yeah, no, that's Beyond a good point. Once a year. <laughs> based on money but again now as an adult if i and i don't have kids so i you know take that for what it's worth but i can totally see being like i'm not going there dude sorry i don't have the money so i then probably played <laughs> i probably played more arcade games as like an like the, the in between phase where you have an apartment but not a washer and dryer like 19 <laughs> yeah. to 22 like laundromats because you're already getting a roll of quarters for a laundromat so they yeah. just have an arcade machine there and it doesn't matter what it is it, especially for us because we didn't have like i may have had a cell phone but minutes cost money there's no such thing as a data plan when you're mm. night when we're 19 it's 2003 or whatever like you're not texting or calling people so you're not you don't have a kindle so it's either you bring a book that you got at the library or you play that arcade machine that's there um, i probably played more arcades in laundromats than i ever did growing up oh yeah i mean for me it was i eventually got a modified xbox when i was probably 20 that allowed me to install roms on it and i yep. installed all of the old school arcade roms from the 90s and finally got to play the Simpsons arcade game for more than my 50 cents last. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. finally got the to play the are brutal too. They're actually not that fun if you play for two hours straight because they're yeah. really, really repetitive. But there was something like, that was always this thing I never got to accomplish. Like, I want to play as Wolverine in the X-Men arcade mm -hmm. game. And I want to do it for an hour. And my buddy not... always picks Wolverine. I want to be, yeah. You want right. the one you want, <laughs> right? Correct, correct. I'm tired of playing as Colossus. I mean, yeah, it's cool looking, but uh, who's ever even seen him in anything? <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, complete, complete departure. No, from no. <laughs> it's a good one. It's. I think it's. I think it's related. And yeah, I think it. I think that it did present it present you with so much choice that, mm -hmm. and a lot of. At the time for 1995, there not there wasn't necessarily even that much choice in a lot of other games. Right. Like, and if there was, a lot of it was just you know like a Diablo. What does your DPS look like? You've got a bow or a sword, and it, the sword could be an axe or a broadsword or what. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change much, right? Well, it's like like Command and Conquer Red Alert. I remember being which came out around this same time. I remember being blown away in the campaign because you like it's between missions it shows you a map and you get to choose do you go to the north or the south but that's such a uh, that's not really that significant of a choice it's i not mean it, it is and it isn't though i mean like in the original starcraft you don't pick what your mission is next like it's true i just i guess what i mean though is it's more of an illusion of choice than true. it is an actual meaningful choice versus the choices you're making in this game which are actually have real impact over and over and over and over again for the rest well, yeah, of the and there's, session. There are multiple places where you get to pick between two levels. And that choice... Now, it doesn't tell you what types of guns are going to be available at each level or whatever, but there is a difference. And mm. 
and the storyline does go a different direction depending on which level you go to first. Now, eventually, it all kind of branches back together. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's it does present a lot of choice, even if again, and the choices aren't huge. They're they're big, but they're not like choosing whether a character lives or dies in like a modern RPG. It mm-hmm. it is just kind of what kind of guns and and how you want your loadout to look. But you can have some ships are faster than others as far as how they scroll across the screen and how your guns work and and you can get you can develop a play style that you enjoy mm. um that deals with to deal with threats in the way that you want to deal with them maybe you want all of your damage focused in like a single line maybe you want your damage spread out because you want to find more secrets and you want to see if my bullets are impacting against something it can probably be destroyed so right. there could be a secret behind those rocks or in a building or something yeah, no, that's it, that's super cool. So, a, a question outside of the game itself, I guess. Um, did you how how was this game in your social life? Did anyone else that you know played it? Did you share strategies, thoughts, experiences with any anyone else that you knew, like locally, or was this something that was kind of unique to to you and your household? So, I know for a fact that there was at least one other person that I spoke with that played it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the person that gave me the original shareware that was like, hey, you need to check this out. I think you'd like it. And then they were probably my source of copies of the game because I'm not sure until Tyrion 2000. I'm not I don't know how I acquired the game otherwise, because it wasn't I don't believe we bought it in a box. Um, Now, it may have came as kind of freeware later on. I think that it went through a couple of freeware iterations where it may be bundled with another game. Sometimes, you know, you'd buy a box game or something and you'd get a second game in it that, or, or in a magazine, like a PC gamer or something. They'd come with those discs that would have a bunch of different demos and games on them. So I think that I think it may have been that the full version of the game I may have gotten that way. But I'm, I do remember one other person had to have had it because i remember that i didn't discover the carrot ship Mm. and somebody else had told me like have you gotten the carrot ship yet and i was like what and they're like yeah it's like the most powerful ship in the game it's a giant carrot and it shoots lettuce and pickles i'm like what (laughs) like and, and yeah there's just there's a whole there's a whole section like of secret levels that are just about food yeah have food based enemies and you can get a food based ship there that fires like and all of the guns it has several different guns that you can equip and one like your spread gun is bananas like your your straight firing gun is like strawberries and stuff it's just ridiculous huh yeah well and so the reason i asked was just because i've had i've had both kinds of experience right like i grew up um which i won't go into these in, in at length at all but just like i played as a kid, we'll say Romance of the Three Kingdoms is a, a strategy game series. But I, the, the only reason that I play that game, and to be clear, I love it, and it's one of my all-time favorite series. However, it is so much the case because my childhood best friend also played it, and we talked about it constantly. Yeah. So, And like when we would stay at each, other, at each other's houses, we would you know, try and arrange to play that for the the whole night or whatever. Like, so my point being that there was a social element that helped propel the game into why it's so significant to me now. Whereas, um, 
if I think about something like, honestly, like Grand Theft Auto, which, you know, we've talked about before is, is probably my favorite game series of all time. While I have played GTA with friends and, and certainly other people have played it that I know, so it, it's not in a vacuum that I have experienced it. Uh, it it's a much my love for GTA is a much more solo thing, like the little details and the little moments that I have that I love really are you are not unique to me, but they are my own, not because me and a friend sat and strategized about it. Does that does that make sense? What yeah, I'm trying yeah, no, to... it makes it makes total sense. Now, while I I think I remember who got me into it, but there's there's a couple of different people it could have been. I do know for a fact that I got several other people into it. Mm. Now, it's Tyrion is not necessarily a game that has so much going on that it's very fun to talk about outside like it's just a game that the story is there but you have to read a lot of it and i don't think i really read through the story until mm -hmm. i was in my 20s and and mm -hmm. went back and played it again but because growing up you just want to i just want to shoot stuff and upgrade my guns you know mm -hmm. uh if there's not a cutscene, i'm not paying attention <laughs> right but right. so there was you know it's not like i'm going to school and be like yeah i upgraded my gun four times like that's about all you got to say. But that's it. That's as much as you can kind of chat about. Or did you find some secret thing? But what I what I will say though is that there's like eight or nine ways to play this game, mm. uh, like fully different game modes, and several of those are two player game modes. Um, so there is an arcade version of the game and a two player version of the arcade, and there's like super arcade. They're all different, <laughs> but. In the arcade version of the game, there's two ships on the screen. One player's on keyboard, one's on mouse. Mm. And like one of the ships is kind of a long, thin rectangle that looks like a like a pong paddle or something. Uh, it's very horizontal, kind of wide. And then the other ship is kind of like triangular and, and kind of elongated. And you both so one person basically has the rear gun and the other person has the forward gun, mm. but both ships could combine. And the player that was on the player that was on mouse, so you could lock together with like I don't remember his control or something. While you were locked together, both ships were then controlled by the player with the mouse. But the rear gun pilot now had a directional firing weapon that they could control via like a turret that you could control with the keyboard and do different things with. Hmm. And in that version of the game, there were like power-ups dropped by enemies and upgrade power-ups so sometimes you don't want a different gun because you like the gun that you have but you could get these purple orbs that would drop that would just put points towards upgrading that gun to the next stage so you didn't buy stuff outside of the level and instead you got power-ups in your levels to, to do stuff but it's a really interesting way for two players and then like you can unlock from each other if you guys want to dodge around something or fight two lines of enemies or you lock together to fight the boss because it makes both of you more powerful so wow. So this is maybe not the first, but this is yet another example of um, the the Megazord love that you. Yeah, there's so definitely. Much. I mean, that's about the same time frame as we're talking, you know, old school Power Rangers. Is yeah, two spaceships locking together to make a more powerful one was just awesome, and well, and it was a good game to play. Like again, I didn't get that two player arcade experience many other places, and to have it free on at my house you know it's good for somebody to come spend the night or just hang out for an afternoon and just sit here and play this and we're both it's you know again it was one of those places where i did not really understand as much why console gaming seemed more popular than pc gaming of course i didn't 
I didn't have the full understanding that I have now, but at the time I was always kind of, because a lot, not all, but a lot of your console games did not have as much simultaneous co-op. If there was simultaneous play, it was like a Street Fighter. Now there was, we mentioned like a Contra. There's a few others. It's not like there's none. Double Dragon. Yeah, but a lot of them are, your more popular ones were one player at a time. Like Super Mario, you're one player at a time is holding the controller or you know active in the game right and this was something where both of us could play with a mouse and and it's two different like two totally different experiences one is a mouse and one is the keyboard and the you we would trade who was in which position because sometimes they're a better pilot they're better at dodging and the other person is better at holding using this turret piece like it was just kind of interesting to have two different styles of play in at the same time I mean, I would say that I, I think that the the reason that console gaming was more popular than PC gaming back then, and frankly, the reason that it still thrives to the extent that it does today, is just because it's cheaper. Oh, yeah, no, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, now I understand it. <laughs> right. But then I didn't really right. have, because I wasn't right. buying You didn't buy things. any of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I'm sitting here playing Wing Commander and Earth Siege, and you're playing Super Mario, like... Get a, get a 3D game. Like, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't. Their parents spent all their money at the arcade, apparently. Uh, apparently, yeah. If you wouldn't story. go to the arcade every week, maybe you could save up for that. Like, <laughs> I think I've told this story before, so I won't go on and on. But one time, I stayed the night with a kid who's... And this is me being somewhat stereotypical, so sorry for people who find it that way. But um, I went and stayed with the kids whose parents were doctors, yep. which was like a level of money higher by a long shot than my family, mm-hmm. right? So while we weren't poor, we were not doctor parents. Um, and that's not a complaint. It's just a, a fact. Well, anyway, and so we went to Aladdin's Castle, which was the local arcade here, and they gave us each $20. $20. We stayed in the arcade for like 90 minutes and they <laughs> dropped us off. It, now we were in like like eighth grade, so we weren't... Right little bitty kids you could stay alone in one store at the mall fine correct correct but uh, anyway i I won't go on and on but just i will i will forever hold that in my heart of the time that i had twenty dollars in arcade of it was just like wow this is what life could look like like i didn't (laughs) (laughs) like this is it was like it was like what like apparently what i think mtv cribs does for some people where they're like (laughs) wow that was me with twenty dollars in an Aladdin's Castle arcade, just like that's fair. That twenty bucks go a long way there. Correct. You have winged out in tickets, <laughs> right? Yeah, you can keep your chains. I will have diehard arcade game moments. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, well, so so I mean, it, it sounds like you know, and and I don't mean to obviously if someone, <laughs> I well, I don't know. I was gonna say obviously someone who just who's grown up with modern games this game looks because it is from 1995 right but that's actually not really fair because there's been such a, that was true 10 years ago yeah there was a time when there before the indie surge yeah this game still looks and plays as good as just about any indie title you can find right now yeah like it is a very pretty game the soundtrack is incredible um God, there's so many other places. So go go on, finish your thought. I didn't mean to interrupt. Like, <laughs> no, I was, no, I was just. I mean, by all means, I want you to keep going. I, I was just talking. I was just gonna just say that, like, I mean, it's it's graphically. I don't even want to say ahead of its time or something, because again, I'm not even trying to, to 
to hype it, but just there's something going on. It's not just, like you said, a scrolling background and then some ships interacting with each other. Like there's layers to it and there's a variety to it. So there's, and there's, so there's something there visually. And then gameplay wise, it's got its own unique twist um, with it not being purely arcadey, but still in that shmup style. It's right. got all these upgrade paths, which then leads to replayability because oh, it's hugely replayable. There's, there's also so many different ways. So even in the story mode, there's of course your kind of easy, medium, hard. There are three more difficulty modes past that with weapons and upgrades that you can only get in those difficulty modes. Mm. Um, there is like a Lord of the Game mode that has. In fact, I th I'm not sure if I've beaten the Lord of the Game because it gets difficult. Um, but there are, I, I, I did a little bit of looking up, just kind of dancing around, just looking for like release dates and stuff like that and found on one of the other wikis, like a ship that I had never seen before. Wow. So, and to be clear, this isn't just my favorite game growing up. This is kind of my all time favorite game. I probably play through it at least once a year. Um, maybe not for like a hugely extended period of time, right. but it's always, there's always an installer file somewhere on my computer or a disc or a CD or a flash drive or something, because it's just kind of everywhere. There's probably more than one installer file on my computer. Right. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I have a game that's that way and I don't know that I, I don't know that I do. I don't know that I have something that I go back and play like that. Um, although to some extent that's because I, like with this, you've you've maintained playing it throughout your life, so your expectations for what it is have always been grounded in the truth. Right. Whereas I played NES games and then didn't until I was, and not not that this is an NES game, but the era, right? Um, and then didn't until ROMs when I was in my twenties, and found just like the arcade game, just like the X Men arcade game. In my mind, it was like, oh man, it is so much fun. You've got all these players on the screen at once, and and the truth is, is that it's actually better in nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and this will offend people that are huge diehard fans because I know the series is that. Um, but like Mega Man, like in my head, and I don't mean Mega Man X. I mean that's fair. Old school Mega Man. Yep. Um, in my head it was a lot closer to what Metroid is. Yes. It's not. No. <laughs> and again, that's not its fault. It's my fault for misremembering. And there's a very loyal fan base to that game and that genre of games. And that's awesome. But um, I've just I found... Mean, you're talking to one. That doesn't <laughs> right. mean that I'm also not just crushed by nostalgia on it because the levels are hard and the game is not ultra complex. <laughs> no, no. And the reason that it takes the reason that the game takes any amount of time is just because of how hard it is. Yeah. Which is mostly a memory problem. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. I mean, well, because there's just parts where it's like, and the floor disappears. And if you don't know that, you In die. this order. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but well, so, and, and certainly I don't mean to, to take you away from explaining things about Tyrion. So as much no. as you have to say, circle back to that, please. But I'm curious, you know, we've kind of, you know, I mentioned Geometry Wars and, and you mentioned just kind of loosely modern games, but is there any modern game that not that takes the place of this, but that um, that you that you think comes close to this? Or, and oh, again, I'm not trying like to compare it. Up? Yeah, just what are some modern, some newer titles that maybe people would would get into? Or I, is is this the the, the I ultimate? I really like. Say? 
So again, it's the thing is, is that I think that modern takes have become more specialized. Mm. So, so they there are games that apply to more niche players that are that do their niche better. So mm. I would say Geometry Wars has a more refined music. I'm not necessarily going to call it better because Return to Zavara is also my favorite video game sound track of all time, even though it's a MIDI. Uh, and I found one guy that remade it into a slightly better version but there's just there's certain bends that people don't do when they remake the song that are in the original like you have to have those bends anyway we'll get to the music in a minute because that goes (laughs) off on another tangent but um there are a a lot of the bullet hells that have come out especially i can't remember the exact name but there's a couple of series of like japanese bullet hells that do that difficulty portion really well and and have there's there's one where you can like switch Ikaruga. From, Ikaruga. Is that the one where you can switch from black to white? Yep. Yeah. That's that's a crazy cool idea. Like I love that idea. I do not love bullet hells. I I just yeah, they they always they appeal to me, but well, I do not like playing them. <laughs> I really I don't watch people like, play them. I don't like playing Ikaruga very much, which I've tried. Now, to be clear, I also suck at it. So that's right. part of why it's not fun because I'm terrible. Um but I really enjoy some Geometry Wars. And I'm not great at Geometry Wars, but uh, but that's kind of a bullet hell. So, but anyway. It, it is, but it offers kind of that more enemy variety. And there's some kind yeah. of strategy and planning depending on what enemies are on the board and how you want to tackle them. Now, there is a shmup that is on my list that I've come really close to picking up a few different times, except for the fact that even though it's really polished, I'm waiting for full release. And that's Nova Drift. Mm. Um, now it's more of kind of a roguelite where you upgrade your ship in between levels as you progress through the game, but then there's different kind of, it's a roguelike. So eventually you're going to die and start the game all over. Um, I think that's the only part of it that has kept me from really getting into it. And it's not as much a top down as it is. I think it's more geometry war style where your ship is more like asteroids. You have full 360 turning on your ship. Oh, okay. Um, but it's still really interesting looking. It's got some cool bosses. It's actually got that kind of neon aesthetic similar to Geometry Wars, but with a little bit more actual, and not to say art, but like definition in the ships and things. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks awesome. It looks like it has some some interesting weapon combos where instead of just swapping out a weapon, like if you start with missiles and then you get lasers, you get laser missiles, mm. like which is just kind of cool. And so the weapons kind of morph and change as you play through the game. And it has a lot of that in it, which I really like. Hmm. But I think as far as like doing everything now, again, this could just be, it could be nostalgia goggles blinded by continual nostalgia goggles in the same way. And no offense to, I love a lot of these other places, but like, Star Wars geeks that constantly interface with the Star Wars universe always like Star Wars, like, and would say that it's just the best. Um, versus well, somebody who sees, like, versus something like a never ending story where you see it once as a kid and go back and try to watch it 20 years later and it's just not as good. I, that's what I was going to say, though, is that, that I think that is the nostalgia goggles. I think that if you stay engaged with it, I don't, I don't really think it's nostalgia because you're, right. you're really reliving it. And you're, and, and I think the reason that it, it's more valid isn't the right word because I don't, I don't care about legitimizing it or not. But the, the point just being like, your expectations don't go awry. Right. Whereas when you don't see it for twenty years, 
it turns out a lot of people have this misconception, not you, but other people, that memories are photographic and they largely are not. And so there's a lot of inaccuracies. And so then when you go back to play Mega Man, it's like, oh, I didn't realize that this just is actually only this much fun. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) don't get me wrong. I'm... And I, it's not that I've played it every single year since it's come out. I've taken sure. some long breaks, uh, but definitely there's there. I always kind of go back to it, and it is it is always as fun every single time. Um, it's it's got a good difficulty curve. It does not spike too much faster than you can acquire stuff, mm. but you will also lose a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Like so, so there are levels that you'll breeze through and think like that was nothing. Why is this a challenge? And then two levels later, you can't get two thirds of the way through the map. Like, mm. it, 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 but it's never frustrating to a point where, at least for me, where like I throw want to throw it away because I can't beat some boss or some part of the level or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also never so easy that I just get bored. Like right. it, it seems to have a really solid difficulty curve to it. Um, and there's just, I don't, I'm trying to think in the base story, because the main story, I think, is seven or eight acts. Each act is probably five or ten levels. Um, and levels take maybe five minutes, five, ten minutes to beat. Mm. Um, but there's still just a lot to the game, because you're spending probably twice as much time in the upgrade menu between each mission as you are in the missions. Right. Because you're trying to judge how much money you have, what you can afford, what you want, if there's anything new. If you take the time to read the story cubes and collect them, then that's even more time. Um, It's got a a save game system in it. There's multiple save options and there's an autosave. I think there's uh, the originally was like 10 slave slots. Now there's just, I think, infinite. Um, But yeah, there's just so much. To, there's so much to actually play through that I haven't played through the entire game very many times. Right. Um, and I definitely don't know how much if I've beaten it. Like now, I'm wanting to go back and try to do a playthrough where I beat it on Lord of the Game because I'm not sure that I have, and because apparently there's a ship that I'm missing. So, <laughs> like, I've played this game. I don't know how many hours. Now I'm not sure that it has as many hours as I have in something like Kerbal because it's not. A game that right. I when I play it, I'm not playing six hours at a time. I'm right. I may play for an hour, um, but yeah, I'm trying to figure out like how much am I miss? How much do I still not know about this game? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I just I think it's um, I don't know. I guess I I think it's fun to revisit things from, you know. Our, our past, our childhood, I, you know, you and I do this podcast because we want to talk about why gaming matters. And I think this is the quintessential example of a game that clearly really, really mattered uh, and still continues to matter. Yep. Um, and, it, you know, we talk about a lot about like, well, what does it mean to say why does a game matter? And it's sometimes it's social things that it provides. Um, and sometimes it's something like this where it, it it grabs the imagination and I don't know, it just engages you in the same way that a really compelling book or movie or song or whatever else might. So I have to go out on a weird tangent now yeah, and say some of the other things about why this game mattered. So this game has two additional completely separate modes outside of the top-down shooter game. 
Uh, a lot of things that are available in the game are only available through cheats that are entered at the kind of the text menu or the, the start menu, uh, but it gives you them. So like all of the special ships that you can get are given to you as a code when you beat each like difficulty of the game. It gives mm -hmm. you one of the cheats. But there is an additional cheat called Destruct that gives you a like tank v tank game where there's yeah it's a whole different game that's in it so huh. it's like the the stationary turrets that are in it. it's kind of like a worms style game where you have like turrets on either side of a, a field and you can shoot little bullets at each other and try to destroy the other person's turrets right um but it's actually kind of unique in that like there's multiple different types of turrets that each player can switch to. Some can like build terrain, so you could try to build walls. Others have like you know bigger bullets that shoot slower or whatever. It's just a fun little two-player head-to-head style game, um, and it's real time. Where a lot of those style games at the time were kind of turn-based, where one person would take their aim and take a shot, and then the other person would take their aim and take a shot. This one, you've got like tracer bullets, which deal almost no damage, but help you key in. They shoot faster, so it helps you figure out where to aim and put your power at, mm. and then then switch to a cannon to fire like a big shot. So that one was just, it's fun. It's interesting that, again, there's just completely unnecessary content in this game that just goes above and beyond. It is literally a whole nother two-player head-to-head style game <laughs> just right. packaged in this one. Huh. Um, but the other thing where we get a little weird is there is a jukebox. Um, now I'm not sure if it's available in the DOS box version. You probably in the DOS box version, but if you find any other comp like compiled version of the game, this was a separate executable. Mm -hmm. Um, but because it was originally just a DOS game and I kind of found it one day where I was looking for, you know, running the game and I saw one that said jukebox.exe. So I ran it. And it is literally just an entire visualizer and all 50-some-odd music tracks that are within the game. Wow. Um, the visualizer is a really interesting and intense rainbow multicolored like mandala generator. So hmm. it generates these kaleidoscopic patterns with little pinpoints of light, and you can change the colors and stuff. And, th and then there's also... So I don't remember if this is a function keys or regular keyboard keys. I don't know how I discovered it, but you can start messing with the visualizer and changing the patterns that it produces and like the mm. rate at which it produces them and stuff to the songs. And the patterns will follow some of the song beats and change style depending on which song is playing and stuff. So what would end up happening is I learned meditation because almost all almost all of the patterns start at the very center of the screen. The whole the unlike a lot of kind of your even at the time I'm not sure that I had Winamp even then. But a lot of your visualizers or like screensavers and stuff would move all over the screen. And this always kind of had a pinpoint at the very center of the screen and just produced flowers and kaleidoscopes and things to cool music. And I uh I would sit there and stare at that little center dot of light <laughs> while changing the visualizer yeah. and listening to the various tracks, which some of them are very ambient, some of them are very adventurous. And it was actually just, I, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but if ever I was stressed or had a bad day, instead of playing the game, I would go stare at the visualizer for five or 10 minutes first, because mm -hmm. all I knew is it calmed me down and made me feel happy or feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it literally was just, it's just a meditation. <laughs> like 
it really it was just like staring yeah. at mandalas and listening to peaceful music for five minutes is going to fix a lot of things, especially that are wrong with, you know, 10 to 12 year old kid um, gets your mind off of stuff real quick. And, and so I think that later in life, when I was introduced to actual kind of quote unquote actual, I don't mean to say it that way, but real meditations, uh, it was a lot easier for me to do, but also a lot harder to do if there was no music. Like, it's very difficult for me to meditate in silence. Mm. Um, but if there's even just the hint of ambience or some kind of noise in the background, I can I can meditate very easily now. And I, I don't know if my love of, like, mandalas and fractals came from that, because it's just a very interesting and unique visualizer, the way the color pattern's on. You can find it in a few places. I think there's some YouTube videos of the Tyrion visualizer for, for the music jukebox, but it's not super complicated or anything, but it was just very unique. Again, a thing at the time that I didn't realize had that much importance, but when I found it, I'd say I probably at that time had as much time playing with the jukebox and the visualizer as I did playing the game. Mm. I, it's kind of where I discovered my love of video game music because mm. you couldn't buy a CD or stream it on whatever of, especially a video game music or even movie soundtracks. Most of the music from movies was not the orchestral soundtrack. It was inspired by the movie with whatever top 10 songs are on the radio right now. Um, so it was yeah. very difficult to get that kind of music and just having something that I could pick what song I wanted and I had all of them, I could do with it as I pleased and, and listen to it anytime I wanted. So that was something that was that was really important and again, not part of the main game at all. But the music, I mean, the music is really good even for MIDI style music. Like it's got a lot of layers and again, Return to Savara, favorite track of all time. But like... I don't know. Just having access to that was something that was very unique for me as a kid. Yeah. No, I think that's a really interesting, that's a, that's a really fascinating story. I had no idea that it had <laughs> any of that <laughs> content. And yeah, I, I like, I wonder if they went on to make Winamp or so, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's so, it's so weird if you, if you go through the wiki. So the, the game was primarily developed by three people. They pitched it to a bunch of different people and never really got anywhere with it. Um, and then ended up getting picked up by like some side studios that were kind of umbrella studios for bigger studios until eventually like Tim Sweeney, cause it, it got picked up by not Sierra, but a, a subsidiary of Epic and Tim Sweeney saw the game as it was being developed and said, no, we're we are publishing this now as a full Epic mega games title. And there's references in the game to jazz Jackrabbit um, and pretzel Pete. Uh, so there's, what there's are a those? bunch. Of, those are other Epic mega game. Okay. So jazz Jackrabbit was a side scrolling uh, alien mutant green rabbit with a plasma gun. I think I competed with kind of a doom sort of thing, or at least the uh. side, not sorry, not doom Duke Nukem says duke nukem was a side scroller i.e a contra style game so right 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 but you know that's awesome i mean i um i know that i've definitely been just in these last couple of years um it, you have exposed me to thinking about video game music as um it's own standalone thing i guess not as just part of the game right um which i mean to be clear not like i'm 
so dense that I, I mean, I understand what soundtracks are, so I get right, it. Right. <laughs> but I also, I, it's rare that I would find a movie soundtrack. I, like, I don't buy movie soundtracks. I never did. Right. Right. Um, and same kind of thing with gaming. And and certainly, I've had games where music has been important. Like StarCraft is an easy example where the music is very stands out a lot. Um, but something that I do to this day that I did a lot as a kid too. I mean, I remember playing Civilization Two on my computer and turning the sound off and listening to the Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> while I play <laughs> Civilization. Right. Uh, there are still Biggie songs that if I hear them. I see civilization <laughs> in my head, right? Gandhi nuking everybody. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah. So, no, I mean, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense that it would resonate that much because while for me, again, my experience has been different in the actual music from the games, the relationship between games and music has always been very strong for me still. Um, so no, yeah, that's. Well, I mean, that's. I mean, this is a complete tangent. But if I hear the opening theme song to um, Grey's Anatomy, I only see Terraria. Ah. <laughs> because I played the game with the music down while we watched Grey's Anatomy a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, it happens. It happens. It's it's uh it's funny how these little associations will build that you're not intentionally creating or even consciously aware of as they're being made until later and then it's just mm -hmm. like oh. it's too late you're not breaking that there's right 400 hours of reinforcement there <laughs> correct correct so yeah i hugely recommend i recommend you go play it like it's it's an amazing game it's a really fun top-down shooter uh, I recommend anybody else go and get it. It's available all over the place. You can find it. Uh, there's a version that's called Open Tyrion. Uh, it was eventually recoded and re-released on the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance huh. uh, and Game Boy Color. However, those versions are not the same. They include trimmed down content. Um, so if you have access to a PC, I recommend getting that. But there are cartridges for Tyrion on the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. Um, they're just not quite as good. If someone has access to a Game Boy and or Game Boy Advance and not a PC in 2020, <laughs> color me impressed. That's all I'm pretty I'm sure I've That's seen. Me. I'm pretty sure I have played it on Game Boy Advance because it did. It got a resurgence of popularity for a little while in in 2000s, like 2007. Um, and I'm pretty sure I, I somebody at maybe it was when we worked at the the call center or whatever but i remember a bunch of people having like game boys and types of things and somebody bringing up one is like hey have you seen this you like this game and i'm like holy crap not only do i like that game i can tell you everything about it and i've played it for 15 years and they're like what it's not that old it came out last year like no nope. your shoulder where you have the Tyrion. right i i sh if i were to get a tattoo of any video game thing it would probably be the the Tyrion logo like <laughs> or or the carrot ship because it's a cute little carrot ship um <laughs> that's funny well, anything else that you wanted to 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 explore or, or reminisce or, or share about um, Tyrion? I mean, I think I've gone through most of it. There's it's there's just so much content that it's kind of I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of things that are really interesting about the series. Um, it's it's a blast to play through. I, and again, like there's so much that I I, I apparently haven't seen still. Um, right. And there are I don't play like the super arcade modes. Um, or any of the 
there are some like extra difficulty levels and stuff that I haven't necessarily messed around with too much. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a lot to play through. There's levels where your visibility is limited, where you have like headlights and stuff, where you can only oh. see so much of the screen. Um, yeah, it's a it's a wild game. I think one of the other great things about it too is if you're worried about not being like it's not a one hit death game. Like I said, there's the shields and the armor. There's also a whole system where if you get down to like your last hit, your screen will flash like warning, like you've got one hit left. And if you survive long enough, there'll be a, a ship that'll come in from the top of the screen and hang out for a second and then leave. And if you can destroy it, it'll drop an item. And if you pick that item up, it'll rejuvenate some of your armor. So there's just a lot of mechanics to help you get back on your feet sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, it's such a good game. Go play it. Go download it. It's like five megabytes. It's nothing. Um, but it's it, there's just so much to it. It's actually probably more than five megs. But there's a <laughs> lot to it. It's not that big of a game. And there's just so much to be to experience in it, even if you just go play the jukebox. Um, or if you want to play the head-to-head -head tank game Destruct, or you want to play two-player arcade, one-player arcade, story mode, timed mode, there's time trials, um, there's power-up versions if you'd prefer to, like the arcade mode where you don't want to buy and upgrade your guns. The story mode is awesome and has tons of hilarious little jokes and jabs, um, as well as at least a somewhat... In for, for a top-down shooter... I can't say that it has the most intriguing plot of any game, but I think it probably has the most intriguing plot of any top-down shooter. So, <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, it's a it's a great game. I highly recommend absolutely everybody to at least give it a go. You're not going to lose anything because you're not paying anything for it. So, give it 20 minutes and at me if you aren't at least a little impressed. <laughs> and I'll refund you your freeness. Like... <laughs> yeah, we do offer full refunds on yeah, all full free. refunds on all purchases of Tyrion 2000. Yeah. Well, no, all all free purchases. Yeah. All free, all free downloads. Get, that, that get if, you, if you find a way to pay for it, I'm yeah. not paying you back. That's true. That's true. just to be clear. No. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's 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 most of it it's my it's my favorite game of literally all time so other than not to say other games aren't better um but it is probably my favorite so cool well yeah well thank you for sharing uh i think that's uh it's an awesome thing to to learn about and something that especially you know as we progress and you know to younger people who listen we will sound like old men sometimes <laughs> um, but i'm telling you man you just don't understand the march of time like when you're 20 or 25 and you think back to something that was true when you were 10 it, it's 15 years ago and it's like oh well that's that you know yeah i get that that's a long time ago we'll add another 10 years to it it's it just it, it, it's crazy it's just yeah the span of time is remarkable and it, it's easy to lose things to it um so i think it's important to bring back up things that are are important from from our past like that no that's true and i think i think this is, is one of the rare cases where i mean trying to look at it at kind of a, as objectively as I can, even though we've discussed my nostalgia goggles. Like, I think this game does really hold up. It had a lot of systems and functions in it that even PC Gamer at the time, like the unlimited save slots and, uh, you know, a lot of the way the menus were designed and laid out, the ability to independently adjust music and audio levels. It was graded very highly. It, it was graded one percentage lower than it needed to get like a game of the year award. Mm -hmm. Um 
but it was just really hailed as games don't have a lot of the things that this game has. Um, I'm not 100% certain, but I think there's a colorblind mode, too, hmm. which is something that we don't see for a long time later. Um, right. But there's a there was just a lot of options and accessibility features of the game. I'm pretty sure you could adjust the game speed. Uh, now, I think that was more for people with different CPU types at the time, because that would dictate your game speed was locked to your refresh rate. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's there's just a lot of things that it was like hailed for as being very progressive and very new in that are still kind of missing from some games nowadays. Um, sure. But yeah, I think it holds up really well. I think it had a lot going for it, especially then. And I think that it holds up against a lot of there are indie games that I have had less fun with nowadays that I would still say I'd rather play Tyrion over. So. Sure. Yep. So that's all for our episode today. Please join the discussion by tweeting your thoughts to us at PUYSpod or follow us there to get a notification on our stream times. Check out the links below for many other ways of getting a hold of us from our email to our Discord. We would love to hear and discuss your thoughts. If you like this episode, please rate, star, thumbs up, and or review us wherever you're listening. And hey, tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of our links will be available in the show notes. And if you want to hear more of Walker's insights and conversations with a variety of unique guests on topics outside of gaming, check out his other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>